Hi guys, welcome back to There I Read It. I'm McGann and I'm reading Harry Potter for the first time in my life and now we are on chapter 17 of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And here we finally get all of our answers including who the heir of Slytherin actually is. So to jump right into my notes, Harry gets into the Chamber of Secrets and he finds Ginny but she's not petrified so he is terrified that she's dead. She's not though because Tom Riddle, the diary guy, pops up in the chamber and he's actually got these blurry edges because he's actually the memory from the diary but he can still pick up objects because he ends up taking Harry's wand. And huge surprise here, it had actually been Ginny that had been writing in the diary for months and she told it everything. Everything about, you know, how her brothers acted, how she felt, her crush on Harry, and just every little detail about Harry's life. And Tom actually says that he's always been able to charm people when he needed to, which seemed like an odd thing to say overall, but thinking about it in a broader context, I guess it makes sense uh, because Tom has the ability to come off as very empathetic, which draws people into him like Jenny. And it was actually Jenny who opened the Chamber of Secrets, who strangled Hagrid's roosters, who wrote on that wall that the heir beware, whatever that exact thing was. She even wrote the thing about her skeleton rotting in the chamber forever, so creepy much, but uh, ugh. And this was happening because the more Ginny wrote in the diary and the more the diary shared with her, the more they sort of combined souls and the diary was able to take energy from Ginny until it could pull out its own form. And so Ginny, before this happened, started to get wary of the diary and she was realizing that she was you know losing big chunks of time and that's because the diary was possessing her to make her do all of these bad things. So Jenny ends up throwing the diary away which is how it fell through Myrtle from above and that's about the time when Harry finds it. And then Tom admits to setting up Hagrid and he's honestly surprised that nobody really questioned it. They said that the people of Hogwarts thought that Tom was just brilliant but he was poor and he was from this like muggle family raised by muggles having such a bad time. And then here was Hagrid this oaf who was constantly in trouble for trying to sneak animals into the castle. So it's almost like they wanted to believe that Hagrid was a bad guy or had the potential to be a bad guy even though it kind of insulted Tom that people believed it so readily since Hagrid wasn't smart enough to figure out how to open the chamber or use it. Well that is nobody questioned it except for Dumbledore who suspected Tom right away and he convinced the school to keep Hagrid on as the gamekeeper. And at this point in time, Dumbledore was not the headmaster. He was the transfiguration teacher and, and he didn't like Riddle. Everybody else liked Riddle apparently except for Dumbledore. He, uh, he had some wary feeling, suspicion, something to where he did not trust Tom Riddle. And so because Dumbledore was watching Tom like a hawk, he couldn't really let the chamber monster out anymore. So he preserved his 16 year old self in a diary so that later somebody could find the diary and fulfill the great plans of Salazar Slytherin. And Harry's just like, well, ha ha ha, your plan's not gonna work. We're about to unpetrify all those people that the basilisk hurt. And Riddle's like, oh, I don't really care about mudbloods anymore. I'm just after you now, Harry. And Tom is just 
really kind of twisted up and curious as to how Harry Potter, who has no special talent, was able to defeat the greatest wizard of all time. And it was actually Ginny who ended up stealing the diary from Harry, and not because she wanted to protect Harry or because she thought the diary was evil, but apparently because Ginny wanted to protect her own secrets between, you know, liking Harry and that she had done bad things while possessed by the diary. Of course, Ginny didn't know that she'd been possessed, but she knew she was losing time when all of these awful things were happening. And then we get the big payoff reveal that Tom Marvolo Riddle is an anagram that spells out, I am Lord Voldemort, which is apparently a name that Tom was using while in Hogwarts, but he wasn't very open about it at that point in time. And Tom explains that his father left him before he was born because he found out his wife was a witch and that freaked him out, but on his mother's side, she was a descendant of Salazar Slytherin, so Tom himself was the heir of Slytherin. Not quite the payoff I was expecting because, you know, when they're gonna bring up the heir of Slytherin so frequently, you'd figure it would be a student. But it, it's a good misdirection, I guess, in that sense, because I didn't really think that that was the way it would go. Anyways, it seems that the diary doesn't know anything past the time it was created, so 16-year-old Voldemort is all it can be. It doesn't know what's going on before that. It doesn't know what current news events are. It doesn't know how he was even able to be killed as an older adult. And, you know, 16-year-old Voldemort is just very narcissistic. He's very full of himself. He thinks he's the greatest thing ever. And so, in that sense, he sort of ends up overcompensating and and that will ultimately lead to his downfall but I mean, Harry at this point has to feel really weird about empathizing so much with Tom Riddle while he had the diary. And it, it's even strange, as Tom points out, that Tom and Harry both were raised by muggles. They were from some kind of, you know, not pure blood wizarding families. I don't know really how that counts with Lily being a mudblood, um, if that means that her children are still like halfies or how that works. But the similarities even go down to Tom Riddle and Harry Potter looking pretty similar. But trying to sort of muster up his own courage, kind of rally himself up to some type of action, Harry's like, well you're afraid of Dumbledore and Dumbledore's not as gone as you might think. And then this weird singing music appears and Fox the Phoenix is actually the one singing. He swoops down, drops something kind of icky looking at Harry's feet, and it turns out to be the nasty old sorting hat. But mind you, Harry still doesn't have his wand because Tom Riddle has it. And the outline of Tom is still getting more solid as Ginny is dying over in the other corner there. So Harry knows he has to hurry, even though he has no real weapons to fight with because the phoenix, I mean, he's a nice phoenix, he's a pretty phoenix, but is he a good fighter versus a wand? We don't know. But then Tom decides to call the Basilisk out, which lives inside of this statue of Salazar Slytherin, and Harry's trying to dodge it while keeping his eyes closed and it's really miserable and it's kind of confusing as to what's going on, but then Harry finally just cracks his eyes open to try and see what's happening, and Fox has gone and blinded the Basilisk so that now Harry can look around without having to worry about being killed by its stare. So 
I guess Fox is a really great fighter and it's kind of curious why he doesn't immediately attack Voldemort and take the wand back for Harry or something. I mean, even if Tom has the wand in his hand, he still has to be able to, you know, flick swish and say the words before Fox reaches him. So I, I don't know why there was no attempt to stop Voldemort or claim the wand. But the Basilisk is freaking out now that it's blind and blood is pouring everywhere and it's trying to kill Fox and Voldemort's over there going, no, forget the bird, get the boy. You can still smell him, right? Get the boy. And desperate, Harry just ends up putting the sorting hat on and going like, help me, help me, help me, help me. Because as Dumbledore said a few chapters ago, help will be given to anybody who asks for it at Hogwarts, something like that. And this sword falls out of the top of the hat somehow and hits Harry in the head and Harry ends up being able to take the sword and shove it through the top of the basilisk's skull. Like it's opening its mouth coming for Harry and he just gets in the mouth and right up into the brain. So Bassy Bass is dead now, but while stabbing the chamber monster, one of his fangs breaks off into Harry's arm and it's poisonous. So Harry's just like, okay, I'm gonna die now, thud. And Fox comes over and he starts crying and Tom's like, ha ha ha, see, even the bird knows it's hopeless. He's crying for you. And then all of a sudden, Harry's wound is gone and Tom Riddle's like, oh, I forgot. Phoenix tears heal people. Crapsicles. And then Fox flies off again, brings back the diary, drops it in Harry's lap, and Harry takes the basilisk fang and drives it into the diary. And at that point, Tom Riddle vanishes, the diary is oozing tons of ink everywhere, and Ginny wakes up and she's just like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get expelled. Like, baby, baby, I know that's bad, but there should be worse things to worry about at this point. You almost died, honey, just take a breath. Then Harry and Ginny get back to where Ron had been walled off and he's made a big enough opening that they can get through. And Lockhart is down the pathway a bit and he's, uh, he's dumbed himself. Like he has forgotten who he is, where he is, what he is. He doesn't even know what magic is anymore. So other than having a basic sense of vocabulary, Lockhart is a complete blank slate at this stage. And they're like, how are we going to get back up that pipe that goes on for miles and miles? And Fox is like, you know, check my tail feathers without saying anything because he doesn't speak. And then all four of them, Ron, Harry, Ginny, and Lockhart grab on, make a chain, and Fox takes them right up to the surface again into Moaning Myrtle's bathroom because, you know, phoenixes are super strong. It's kind of very fortunate that phoenix carry heavy loads, their tears can heal, and they're very loyal, which are all three things that Harry desperately needed to win in this scenario. So again, that makes me wonder um, about Dumbledore and his motives and, and knowing what's going on before they happen. It, it is very curious because it just lines up so perfectly. And it would be one thing if they had described, well, phoenixes can do these 10 things here and then just three of them happen to be used in the chamber. But for everything to line up so readily, it, it's, um, it, it's a little bit fishy. And then once back in the bathroom, Moaning Myrtle comes out and she seems very upset that Harry didn't die. 
And apparently she does have a super crush on him now and she wanted him to die and share her toilet. So I don't know if that's adorable or creepy, but um, it is what it is. And they all decide that they're gonna go see McGarnagle right away. And that is the end of the chapter. I expect we're gonna get a good bit more of expository-ness in the last chapter. But there was so much action in this chapter that there wasn't really a ton to debate on or really drag out of that to talk about. I will say that if not for Fox, Harry would have definitely died. So it's strange how he keeps being this hero, yet he's never really the one responsible for being heroic. Like he, he enters the room and then, you know, he burns Quirrell to death, apparently, because his mother left a powerful charm on him. And then he goes into the Chamber of Secrets, which again is a very brave thing to do, but without the sword or the phoenix, he would have been toast. So I, I don't know, I can't really decide if Dumbledore is maybe grooming Harry to be a hero, or if he's just using him as like a disposable ends to a means. And what I mean is that if Harry weren't in Hogwarts and these things were happening, would he just push another kid forward with the same kind of uh, information, sideways information? It, Dumbledore never seems to say things directly. I kind of think he might have been a cat in a past life because no cat ever gives anyone a straight answer. But I am gonna move on to finish this book with the last chapter. You will see that episode next week, but I am gonna try and get it done today. Thank you guys for watching and I'll see you soon. Don't forget to subscribe! Well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self, and I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, McGann, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page, and my most current P.O. Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The Family. It's really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh yeah, and I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video. We should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See you next time, family members. Bye.